This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Robert Bendetti, Chief Financial Officer of Lifecycle Engineering, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 355. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we share with you the thoughts and comments of four different finance leaders. We once more ask them to supply us with those KPIs that are top of mind. And what's interesting we think you'll agree, is the many different directions our CFOs take when responding to the KPI question. We ask our first CFO what KPI is top of mind after these words from our sponsor. Just as a house needs a good foundation, your business needs a solid technology foundation. At Workday, a different approach to finance technology is giving growing mid-size organizations a distinct advantage. Workday's flexible architecture means that when business conditions change, finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. spoke with Vic Chenoweth, CFO of PlanView Software, an $800 million software developer. We asked him about how the firm was collaborating with private equity partners, which led Vic to zero in on a metric PlanView refers to as rule of, where PlanView uses IPADA expressed as a percent and revenue expressed as a percent while at the same time tracking employee engagement and customer satisfaction. Here's where Vic supplied us with a nice overview. Thank you. 
Well, Vic, we like to ask our guests to tell us a little bit about their company's offerings today and what sets them apart in the marketplace. What is their competitive edge? What would you tell us? You've emphasized uh, that Plan View has a focus on the customer experience, but um, are there other metrics you would share with us in terms of how you measure that and how uh, you have a sort of a sharp focus on it today? Thank you. 
were pleased to catch up with career CFO Dustin Williams a while back. Now, Dustin is today CFO of Nutanix. However, he has served in a variety of CFO roles over the years. We knew he'd have a a solid and uh, thought-provoking answer for our KPI question. And he came through for us. Here's Dustin.
We now feature uh, Renee Hornbaker, CFO of Stream. Stream has moved into a number of different markets in recent years. It was founded as an energy company related to some of the deregulation that happened in Texas and other states. Known as a CFO, very capable of driving change, Renee has been identifying new metrics to measure the different business opportunities and risk that Stream encounters. Here's Renee. Actually, some of the metrics are the same and some are different. And some of the first things that we do when we look to expand into some other service is what are the risks associated with that service and what are the, the risk mitigation factors uh, in related to that growth? And can we, can we quantify them and, and mitigate them? The other thing that uh, we look at is the certain metrics that are the same for all of our businesses, such as customer growth, number of new customers, the um, customer life cycle, how long they stay a customer, how, uh, what is the turnover rate of our customers, uh, what is the profitability of our customers. All those things are fairly standard. The unit of metric uh, will be different. And one of the things that's important for us is some services don't have as high a margin as other services. So we have to look at what can we afford to pay in terms of commission to our independent associates and stream still make money in order to provide these services. And so we may have different ways that the compensation plan changes based on the profitability of the, of the service. We have to make sure that we have very good forecasts of what demand will be. And um, we do that from multiple ways. And it's looking at, particularly, for example, in the energy business, we look at things like what is normal usage for that customer? What is the weather impact in a certain period of time going to have an impact on that customer? And all of those things go into forecasts, and we do forecasts on a, a regular basis. We update our forecasts every month, but more importantly, certain forecasts, such as what we need to procure for energy, we update every day because it's so important, because the weather can change on a daily basis. So we have to make sure that we've got the right amount of energy to deliver to our customers. And if we're short, it can cost you quite a bit. And if you're long, it can cost you quite a bit. So having really good, solid forecasts are important. For example, if we see that costs change, uh, maybe the cost of energy during a certain time period um, is increasing a fair amount, uh, we can notify um, the business and work with the business and make sure that we're pricing products uh, currently properly to make sure that we're not uh, missing uh, out on margin opportunities and we're not losing uh, margin because of where the costs are coming in. And we also have to take into consideration, though, the market and what the competition is charging what uh, is available out there uh, to them, 
and uh, what rates they've been on, and there's just a lot of variables. And sometimes we have to change the nature of the products. For example, you, you might think, well, how do you change an energy product? Well, you can change the term of the product. If the, um, the costs are really expected to spike high for three months and then go back down to normal levels, you might have a product with a longer term to, to ease out some of the spikes in the costs and you can still make money rather than having to price something very high to cover those short-term costs. And that's where we work with the businesses to improve the overall profitability. And uh, another thing that can have an impact is the mix. If we're signing up a lot of customers on a lower margin service, uh, what can we do to, one, improve the margins on that, and two, can we change the mix a bit by maybe offering some, a more attractive product um, that has a better margin but will also be very attractive and steer the customers in that direction? And we work with our independent sales force to market those services we call products in a way that is good for them that's good for us. Thought Leader listeners, a warm welcome from a frozen January 2018. We have many new interviews coming to you this month. Thank you for listening and permit us to share right now just a few words from one of our favorite sponsors. Then we'll be back with one more CFO who has KPIs top of mind. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. We are pleased to have Rup Lakaraju, CFO of MANA, join us once again. Rup was on the show a while back when he was CFO of support.com. Mana is an early-stage startup, and our discussion with him was interesting. began with metrics, but his response went beyond metrics to discuss how he likes to connect to the organization and some prior experience related to that. Here's Roop. Well, you know, being a, a early-stage private uh, company, technology company, we, we obviously pay very close attention to cash and cash burn, and not just the, the gross value of the cash burn, but where are we spending it and, and where we're spending it, are we getting value for where we're spending it? Uh, so that, that's obviously critical. Um, the, the other part of it is uh, we've been selling in the marketplace for about 12 months now or so, and selling to these Fortune 500 companies around digital transformation, which is strategic in, in all of the com- uh, organizations that we're selling into, um, you know, we're very much focused on sales and conversion metrics, if you will, sales conversion metrics. So, you know, where's the pipeline? What's the pipeline creation look like? What sort of logos are coming in? Are they aligned with what we think is the appropriate fit and function of, of a, um, an organization that's driving digital transformation? 
Um, and so, you know, those are all important. What's the sales cycle times? And then beyond that, I think it's just, you know, where are we? What's the time to get to pilots? What's um, and if, if people aren't moving to the pilot stage, why? What can we learn from it? Um, and, and then it's really about pilot conversions, if you will, right? What, what's the cost of these pilots? Uh, are we making money on them or not? Uh, are we purposefully taking, um, is this an investment towards the future because there's a, a bigger uh, opportunity with that customer beyond this initial pilot? And then really it's that conversion of pilots into those enterprise licenses that I mentioned earlier. And, and so for me, when I come into an organization as CFO, it, it's very important for me to have an organization that is engaged and connected to the business. Um, and it's amazing to me how often organizations that I've walked into have not been. Uh, and, and I think it's a, it's for multiple reasons that that. People aren't connected uh, from finance and accounting into the broader business, but those organizations that do have those connections, I think, are are stronger, and, and those that can drive more effective business execution and, and drive more consistent financial results. And so, as an example, you know, some years back, um, I, I joined a, a large private company. Revenue was probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars at the time. Um, but even with that scale, there and I, and I uh, managed all of the administrative areas within the, within the company on a global level. Um, those organizations weren't engaged in the business, and, and so it was an, a company that was doing well to a certain extent, but maybe not as well as it could have been doing, and, and uh, was losing money, was uh, burning cash at the time, and, and these sort of things. And so, as part of me coming in, just one, learning the business and learning the players and, and how uh, finance and administrative areas at large engaged into the, the to, into the organization and with other executives and functional areas, it became apparent that we didn't have the right um, individuals in, in those management roles across the administrative organizations. And so really went about transforming uh, through new leadership in those areas um, and, and finding the right folks who could then engage the business um, and, and, you know, understand the business first of all and then be able to relate and develop relationships with the folks across the, the business at large. And upon doing that and, and as we uh, built stronger relationships and greater trust, it became a much more collaborative environment, one that was more uh, aligned from a business standpoint and a financial standpoint. And ultimately, uh, you know, we were able to, uh, along with the other leaders across the company, really drive uh, a transformation within the business model, uh, which ultimately led to better business results, financial results, and, and one that resulted in a, a strategic outcome that was good for uh, investors and, and employees. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at CFOThoughtLeader.com.